Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. While the vast majority of Americans still buy their groceries in supermarkets or at super centers, their loyalty should not be taken for granted as other stores, including limited assortment, club, specialty, and even farmers markets are stepping up their game to capture market share. According to recently released data from the consumer data portal Statista, at the end of 2017, about 50% of U.S. consumers bought groceries at supermarkets, followed by 34% at super centers, 7 at limited assortment stores, 5% at club, 2% at organic and specialty stores, and 2% at alternative stores. But this mix is changing as retailers across categories strive to offer more of what consumers want, which Statista says is, for food and beverage, primarily relies on taste, followed by price, healthfulness, and then convenience. In addition, sustainability and quality are becoming increasingly influential factors. At the same time, the popularity of online shopping is rising, further eroding consumer loyalty to retailers with a strictly brick-and-mortar presence. Again, according to Statista, e-retail of food increased 18% from 2017 to 2018 to capture about $17.5 billion. And this number is predicted to go up even farther, to increase to nearly $30 billion by 2021. So how can retailers gain an edge over the competition and keep consumers coming back? According to Tom Caparosa, who's the CEO of Claris Commerce and a grocery loyalty expert, one strategy is to offer premium loyalty programs. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Caparosa explains how premium loyalty programs can give retailers a competitive edge by leveraging personalization and data to drive shoppers back to their stores more frequently and more consistently. He also discusses the changing competitive landscape and other strategies for attracting consumers and keeping them coming back time after time. As recently as 10 years ago, most consumers went to the same grocery store every week and rarely detoured to pick up food elsewhere unless they were on a road trip or visited a farmer's market for some novelty reason. This loyalty placed a lot of power in the hands of retailers, many of which did little to keep it because the competition simply wasn't there. But as Caparosa explains, a lot has changed in the past decade, and retailers need to change too, or else they're going to risk losing their shoppers. That what's happened over the last 10 years is definitely the, the power has kind of squarely moved into the consumer hand. There's, there's more choice than ever, both in kind of brick-and-mortar stores and definitely in digital and mobile. And um, there's also more outlets for consumers to share what they like and, you know, potentially what they don't like. And um, I think that's kind of adjusted the retailer's mindset, at least the ones that are, 
are listening into what consumers are saying and, and help them guide their future either on benefit mix or uh, products or uh, social responsibility, things of that nature, and um, that's definitely changed over the last uh, last ten years as as more power has moved to the the consumer. The retailers that are doing it well are agile and flexible enough to adjust, um, kind of listen, adjust, and ultimately optimize for their business. And, and maybe the ones that are struggling are kind of set in that old way uh, and not able to either move fast enough to adjust or aren't listening at all and, and like the way they've done it in the past and hope that they can continue to do it the way that they're doing it without any adjustment. Given that the second approach is a bit of a non-starter, Caparoso explains that retailers should open up a dialogue with consumers about what they want. And one way to do that is with a premium loyalty program that goes beyond the key fobs and plastic cards that many retailers ask consumers to scan at checkout now in exchange for coupons and future purchases. Well, when you think about the the grocery landscape, I think it's somewhere up over 90% of uh, grocery stores have some form of loyalty program in place. And that's typically uh, a key fob, uh, getting discounts um, at the point of sale or maybe on the receipt when they come back. Um, And that's the way it's been for many, many, many years. When we think about premium loyalty, we define that as a subscription-based program that typically brings enhanced value, and that could be transactional value and discounts and offers, but also emotional benefits that are above and beyond anything a free program could create for them. Obviously, what Amazon's doing with the Whole Foods acquisition and starting to integrate Prime into it, grocery stores are starting to kind of take notice. And, you know, what Prime has done is really built a... um, a loyalty program that has enhanced value, um, enhanced discounts, a great experience. They're starting to weave that into the Whole Foods experience. It also comes with a $130, $120 price point um, that drives and subsidizes some of those enhanced experiences. But from a consumer standpoint, if you ask the consumer, you know, what's the best loyalty program out there? You know, a lot of people are going to say Prime and not tell you about the price point. And I think that that's starting to weave into the grocery chains and, and it's really starting to push them to think differently about maybe some of those legacy programs that they've had in place that need an enhancement, that need um, enhanced value. I think the age of, you know, buy something today and get a reward in 60 or 90 days is if it's not gone, it's it's close to gone. I think we live in an instant uh, world and economy, and people want that instant gratification. They want that that swipe and save offer and discount and benefit, and they also want stores to listen to them and understand them and ultimately personalize their shopping experience in the future. And I think you know tying those two pieces together, both the transactional and the emotional really make a great loyalty program. And I think that's that's some of the ripple effect that Prime has had and some of the, the stores that are doing it well are, are really kind of pushing these retailers to, to think differently about it. To track consumers and make paying a monthly or annual fee for a loyalty program, quote, worth it for consumers, 
retailers need to be prepared to give consumers something in return for the data that goes beyond a better assortment on shelf. And according to Caparoso, that benefit should be instant. Programs of the past where you're, you're taking an action today and, and waiting are, are gone. And I think inherently, maybe over time and over the last five or ten years, consumers have gotten comfortable uh, in actually requesting that instant benefit. And I think for the retailers that are providing that, that will ultimately drive the consumer back to them because they know they're going to get it instant. One of the, 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 the foundational benefits of Prime back in 2005, it was a single product, uh, single feature uh, program was free shipping. It wasn't just free shipping, it was fast shipping. So most consumers started to think about buying from Amazon because they get it in two days. Um, that is essentially an instant benefit, uh, one that was unheard of back in 2005, um, that drove loyalty, drove more people back to Amazon because of that instant gratification and knowing that there was a speed component to their shipping. Not only did they get it shipped for free, but they got it shipped fast. Caparoso also notes that retailers likely won't be able to create a hero benefit like the free and fast two-day shipping that Amazon offered 14 years ago. But he says by listening to consumers, retailers can identify other benefits that shoppers will value. The transactional benefits, uh, if it's a a coupon, a discount, uh, I think there is something like 3 billion coupons redeemed in, in grocery in, in 2017 or 18. So, you know, that's a shopper that is very comfortable and uh, living in that coupon space. So you definitely have to have the transactional uh, component and benefit. More and more, as we share more data, I, I think the personalization becomes really important. If, if you know, they know that I shop and I buy um, – RX bars every week because I love RX bars. It would be great to provide a discount and offer above and beyond anything out there. It would be great to um, give me free samples. It would be great to um, let me try a new product that RX bar is coming out before anybody else can get. That's a an emotional connection because they understand. Um, the type of products I'm buying, and it really personalizes my experience. And ultimately, again, these are components that should drive loyalty back to that retailer. Identifying and delivering what consumers want is the tricky part of creating a premium loyalty program, according to Caparoso. But he says viewing the challenge through the lens of technology can provide agility and flexibility that's needed to collect and quickly respond to consumer feedback. Some of the larger retailers, uh, maybe on legacy systems and legacy mindsets, struggle with how do I trigger these types of benefits. And I think that's, you know, systems and technology uh, that need to probably be enhanced and upgraded to really be able to be that agile and flexible and, you know, a one-to-one relationship versus a one-to-many relationship. And I think, you know, you Execution is a big hurdle that I think a lot of retailers are trying to figure out. How do I, I know there's value in getting to where I just said to get to, but ultimately how do you, how do you operationalize that? And I think that's part of the struggles. Uh, and that's where maybe third parties come in or enhanced software and systems can come in to ultimately connect. Um, 
the the one-to-one -one experiences with those uh, consumers and the retailers. What we do is we build the premium loyalty programs um, for retailers. So when they join a, a VIP program, for lack of a better uh, word, we know you know what they're how they're shopping, what benefits and features they're using. Um, so we have a tremendous amount of data on the retailer, and ultimately we're piping that back into um, into the retailer and sharing all those consumer insights to help them think about uh, maybe features and functionality that they don't have either in store or online, or buying behaviors of their consumers as they're really shopping through this VIP or premium loyalty program. So we don't. We don't get into the back office systems um, to ultimately uh, at, a, at a kind of chain level, but anybody who comes into the programs that we build on the loyalty program side, we have great insight and we help the retailer think about uh, benefits, features, member communication strategies, and how we ultimately can help them execute and drive that consumer back into the store um, to make another purchase or back online to make another purchase. So um, that's what we do from a uh, um, loyalty program uh, standpoint. We're less about the uh, kind of logistics and back office at a, at a chain level uh, to help them think about those, uh, those consumers. Based on his experience crafting premium loyalty programs, Caparoso says the best strategy is to provide a mix of transactional and emotional benefits. I think the mix of, of the transactional and the emotional benefits are, are the right way to go about it. So, for instance, it's not a grocery store, but we have a, a general merchandise um, retailer that we work, we power their program for them, uh, both online and in-store. And um, online, it's free shipping, free returns, cash back when they make purchases online. Uh, in-store, it's very much um, uh, that VIP pricing. So uh, we actually have in-store pricing, you know, as a consumer, as a VIP member, you get it at, you know, $50 versus regular price of $70 or $80. Um, so those are the types of things that we're doing. It's very much a transactional benefit program, um, but we are talking to them about uh, an exclusive line for their for their premium members and things of that nature to help them ultimately get through the, the store and out of the store quickly. Um, so I think it's always going to be the mix of that. Um, as we think about groceries, obviously they have skinny margins um, on, in their entire business. I think it's only between 1% and 2%. So anything you can do above and beyond you know, a 2 or $3 off ca uh, coupon or discount because they're in a premium loyalty program, um, that's a great program. Um, I think you think about the, the program from uh, Loblaws in, in Canada where they're doing um, free click and connect. They're doing purchases online and they're doing 20% back on um, in reward points on their kind of homegrown brands. That's a really interesting program that's you know very much a prime-like program um, that kind of enhances the consumer experience in store but gives them transactional benefits both online um, and in the brick and mortar location as well. Programs like this might sound intimidating to implement, especially for smaller retailers given that they're already struggling with slim margins in the food and beverage industry. 
But Caparoso says that Claris Commerce tries to make premium loyalty programs as accessible as possible by helping retailers target discounts to their most loyal shoppers rather than taking a blanket approach and by operating on a shared revenue model. In many cases, they're giving a lot of discounts and offers outside of the loyalty program. And, you know, our, I'll use the word pitch <laughs> to retailers mm-hmm. is um, give them enhanced value. Give it to the consumers um, that love your brand and will continue to use your brand versus blanketing um, everybody uh, with a 20 or 30 or 40 percent discount. Obviously, on groceries, it's, it's significantly lower, um, but with a much more targeted offer and presentation and pitch. Um, and for those dollars that you invest in those enhanced value, you're going to get it returned um, with uh, repeat purchase and ultimately higher average order values. We've seen it through our data that it works. Um, so that's you know, when we go into a new retailer, um, we talk about that targeted member communication and that targeted promotional calendar and schedule and thinking about how do we test different messaging and different offers to that to that group. Um, because ultimately, you know, these people are opting in, they're paying a fee, we want to create a great experience. And I would, you know, put your marketing dollars there because ultimately you're enhancing that value but you're driving higher margins because they're they're spending more their average cart size goes up things of that nature which is really the kpis of uh, most of these retailers and how to drive their business going forward so it's it's somewhat of an allocation of marketing spend that you're spending more to enhance the value in a premium program versus a blanket across the board um, across the entire consumer base if you were to partner with another loyalty company, they typically have an onboarding fee, a monthly fee, a trans, you know, if you wanted a report pulled, there's a report fee. Our, our business model is a little bit different, um, and you talked about the investment in the program. When we actually go to retailers, um, we don't ask for an upfront fee. We don't do an ongoing fee. We actually do a revenue share on the, the paid subscription. So only if the program is successful um, do we make money, um, and we are squarely aligned with the the retailer themselves, so that um, we're kind of in it and rowing the same way. And I, and I think that's an important part as you go to retailers who have a loyalty program, um, know that Prime's out there and is having a pretty big impact on their business, but don't really know where to start and where to invest. And we go in there with a essentially a no-risk offer to say, look, partner with us. We do this every day, and we'll only make money if you make money, and, and we go forward. So I, I just wanted to hit on that because you talked about the investment, and, and I think we're, we're slightly – I think we are very unique in, in that, that framework. For premium loyalty programs to work in the long term, Caparoso stresses that retailers can't just implement them and leave them. Rather, they need to be continually tweaked and updated as consumers' needs and values change. From our perspective, it's it's continual optimization. It's just how we're driven. It's kind of in our DNA here. And I think, uh, again, going back to the, some of the points I made earlier, Having that continual curiosity, that testing methodology, um, and testing could be it could be creative testing, it could be price testing, it could be offer testing, but continuing 
to push the envelope and not being comfortable with that control offer and seeing if you can increase you know, the take rate or the conversion or the engagement uh, in the program is a really important mindset to have. Um, regardless of what the benefits and the features are, you always want to be testing across the board, the top of the funnel, how they get into the program, and then really uh, the benefit and features of the program to, to make sure it's the best program that it can be. And you ultimately have people paying a fee for it. You want them to be um, so happy that they're telling their neighbors and their friends about it and ultimately have a nice viral impact to your program as well. But I think continually pushing the envelope and thinking about what's next and what should we test and how should we communicate that is a really important kind of mindset that retailers should have. And with that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.